Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Nathan East hanging with the teddy bear on LOTL Radio, The Zone.
have a conference actually coming up in Washington, D.C. at the Potomac Institute for Policy Studies on what's happened with chat CPT because there's already a, a, there are already a number of compositions that are pretty good that have just been, you know, sort of pulled out of the ether based on artificial intelligence. Uh, the real question is going to be, uh, are the movie and TV houses um, going to say, which is something that they wanted to do for many years, is to figure out a way to eliminate musicians altogether so they don't have to pay for music. And right. then the next question is going to be, okay, well, if it starts to get good, then what does that mean? Does it, when it starts to um, have emotional content in the same way as uh, I've seen some pretty amazing digital rendering of, you know, human beings that capture uh, a lot of the neuropassive linguistics, which is, I guess, a fancy word for talking about body language and nonverbal communication that are uh, pretty compelling. So I guess the answer to your question is I'm not sure. I'm, I'm watching a huge phenomenal, phenomenal, if there's such a word, uh, change in art, which to me is sort of the last bastion of humanity. I'm not sure where this is going. And the question will be, as you say, music has sort of, before all this artificial intelligence um, or th that whole artificial intelligence, chat, CPT, et cetera, et cetera, came to the fore, music was already starting to lose a little bit of its um, art and become, well, I guess when the first iPod came out, it became more fashion. In other words, um, I'm wearing these sunglasses, I'm wearing these sneakers, and I have this music on my belt. So, I don't know, I think we're getting to a uh, singularity here. I'm not, not quite sure. Well, I must say from a personal standpoint, it was very disheartening to me, and I've said this many, many times. When they started removing the record stores and everything became digital, and it took the pure essence of what, to me, what music really stood for. It was something unique and special and loving about being able to go to a record store and buy an album to have that kind of personal interaction with a particular group that you love. And everything was based upon communication. When I go back to the time and the years that you spent with the Doobie Brothers, it was all about love. It was all about communication and love for one another. There was no color lines. And what I'm seeing now, I see a lot of music being exploited in a very negative way. And it's, it's become a very, it's become a very, it's become very detriment to where I see how our country is moving. There's nothing positive that I see or hear from a lot of today's music. Well, I think, I think your observation is spot on because the country, I believe, has somewhat devolved from e pluribus unum or e pluribus unum to uh, e pluribus multis. Uh, it's become, it's split into a number of tribes. And when things like that happen, each tribe then begins to search for and adapt what they believe to be the art of their that represent that they believe represents um, their particular tribe. So music, I think, has become tribal as well. I think that's your point. That right. um, it's now become uh, signage, you know, and an <laughs> identifier uh, for um, for something else besides what it, what it was before. I mean, I, I'm you know I, I don't I don't use Kindle. I read books because I make notes. And my dad, my mom taught me to read when I was very young. And to me, a book is something that you hold forever. You make notes in the margin. You go back. You know, it, it, it's something, like you say, it's a personal interaction with the author, artist, whomever you might want to call it. I, I agree. I'm uncertain 
as to the outcome of all of this. It's really scary to take you back just to show you how intently I listened to you. An interview that you gave years ago, you said we've be, we have turned into a microwavable society. Everything is quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm afraid I'm afraid that's that's true on a lot of levels. But bottom line is, I'm going out on tour like I always did. I'm going to play the crap out of the guitar. I'm going to bring unbelievable go. players with me, and I think there is still room for for artist to listener uh, communication. As a matter of fact, I remember when all this started first started happen uh, with um, uh, when news became digital streaming. People thought oh, I was going to be the end of the world, and all of a sudden, all these blues clubs started springing up around the United States. People wanted to go to hear whatever, maybe their their roots music in a sense, because the blues certainly is the foundation of much of American music. But they wanted to see and hear and be there and experience. So I'm not completely given up yet. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, if there is such a thing as an artistic Pandora's box, you know, the, the myth of Pandora, when Pandora opened the box and all the stuff flew out, the only stuff at the bottom of the box was hope. So yeah. I think that there is still that. Um, because people keep coming to our shows, and they like it, and they stay. <laughs> so, okay, well, <laughs> you know, unless I'm missing something here. No, I mean, music is a universal language of togetherness. It has been proven time and time again that they have the ability to unite, as you say, tribes, to unite people. There's no color lines when you bring transparency in music. And speaking of blues, one of the tracks on your new album, of course, Speed of Heat, I Can Do Without, featuring Johnny Lay. My goodness. (laughs) An incredible track. How did you manage to get Johnny on the track because he's been, he's pulled the linen for a little while. He just kind of disappeared and went off to a vac- an extended vacation. So how did you manage to, to get him on the album? Well, Johnny's an old friend anyway. We met many years ago, actually at uh, Sundance Film Festival when we were ended up on stage together. And um, he had, after we played, you know, we played together for about an hour. It was a lot of fun. And so he said to me, um, I hear, you know, you're you're into law enforcement. I said, yeah, I did 15 years LAPD and, you know, a couple of other things. He said, well, I'm really interested in uh, getting into law enforcement. I said, sure, just uh, tell me where you live. I'll call, I'll make a call to the sheriff, see what the, you know, situation is. If you want to, you know, you got to go to the academy. You got to do stuff. But if you want to, happy to do it. And then about three months later, he really started to um, get busy again in terms of his art. So uh, we talked, and he said, yeah, I think I'm going to you know, postpone that. I said, no problem, you know, anytime you want. And I said, but I'm doing, he said, so what are you up to? I said, I'm doing a solo record. Never done one uh, with my uh, musical partner, uh, C.J. Vanston. We've been talking about doing this for years, and now we are kind of, you know, getting up to speed here. And he said, well, if you'd like me to do something, I said, in a heartbeat. I've already got Clint Black and Mike McDonald. Why not? Yeah. It would be great. And so we, he came down to the studio, and we, didn't, we, we, we did the track, but we didn't have any lyrics. So we said to Johnny, go out to the mic and just scat. It'll make noises you know, <laughs> vowel and diphthong, you know, whatever, and we'll record it. So we did that. We recorded it, and CJ and I then took that and found words that matched as closely as possible to the scat and the the the, the vocalist, vocal sounds he was making. So we wrote lyrics. He came back down and went, whoa, what's this? I said, hey, we just, you know, took our best shot. It says, Let's do it. 
number one, that's how the lyrics came out. And then number two, the idea was I really enjoy playing with him. He likes to play with me. So we thought we'd do a call and response, uh, which I think worked out you know, fairly well. Well, I'm telling you, I've listened to the entire album, and it is incredible. And I don't know what it is. I guess it's something in the water, but it's something magical with you and Michael McDonald. You guys go all the way back to Steely Dan, and you're the one that actually brought him to the Doobie Brothers. And I wanted to ask, what is it like working with him? Because it's like you guys just really complement each other from a musical standpoint. It almost seems like a very much kindred spirit type of vibe that you give off with one another. Well, you asked me why. Uh, all I can do is quote Skeeter Davis, right? Why <laughs> does the sun go on shining? You know, I, <laughs> why does the sea rush to shore? I don't know. I don't know. But when we first got together, we certainly discovered that we enjoyed playing together. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, Rod Stewart, Jeff Beck, um, uh, union, which I think has the same same kind of chemistry. And right. what is it like? And I, why, I don't know, but it's always a delight. I love playing with Michael, and we've been friends for a long time. And again, it was going to be an instrumental record. I was, you know, I'm a big Ventures fan. I'm a big West Montgomery fan, Django Reinhardt, Charlie Christian. So I was just going to do songs that I like. That's why I did Apache. Because to me, that was one yeah. of the great guitar <laughs> instrumentals. Uh, a little more thermonuclear than normal, but yeah, why not? And when Mike said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing a solo record. I said, well, if you want me to do something on it, and immediately I said, you know what? Absolutely. Change. 90 degrees, turn. Now we're going to do some vocals. And I mean, I even did a vocal. And I don't. I, I, the only reason I did that is because... Um, um, Steve, the lead singer uh, for um, um, oh god, I tell you, I'm getting old. No, you're not uh, getting Steve old. Age is just a number, my man. I, I sent a copy of Miles. <laughs> I sent a copy of Miles School to Steve Tyler, and, uh-huh. and I said, Steve, would, would you, could you sing this? I think it'd be great. And he said, Well, yeah, okay, but who's singing on the demo? I said, Well, that's me. But forget that. And he said, why? I said, well, because I'm not a singer. He said, you need to sing this. I said, are you bullshitting me? And he said, no, man, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. So I figured he knows way more about that stuff than I do. So I took a shot. So that was kind of inspiration from Michael and, and Clint and, uh, and Johnny to, to do something. And that's kind of how the album morphed into what it is. And I got to give a tremendous amount of credit to my buddy C.J. Baston, co-produced the record with me. We wrote, co-wrote a lot of the tunes on the on the record. Uh, as a matter of fact, the deal was when Clint and Michael and everybody said they wanted to work on the record, we said, okay, here's the deal. You have to co-write with myself and C.J. Three, we're going to write this, as, you know, three of us. And you have to do something that you've never done before. I mean, it's not going to be the same old, same old. And so when I played Bad Move, Clint's song, for his wife, she kind of half-jokingly said, who's that? I said, that's your husband. He's an unbelievable artist. This guy can do anything, and he's so good at it. And when Johnny came back down, and he heard the chorus on I Can Do Without, I mean, that is like, that's Mach 3. So, yeah. And Michael's cut. He's never done anything like that. So, yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know what happened. We just You went did for a it. wonderful job. You did, an, you did an outstanding job. And one of the things that I appreciate about the entire album is that it's very raw. Because I think a lot of times artists get in the studio and they put so much emphasis on making sure everything is polished. And it takes away from the essence of what the music should be. And it's raw. You, To me, the album's like it represents one big bowl of jambalaya. You have some rock. You have some blues. You have some jazz mixed in. It's a beautiful, beautiful flavor. So 
Far be it from me to deprive the listening audience of some wonderful music. So let's get into, of course, one of the many wonderfully written and arranged tracks from this new album, Speed of Heat, My Place in the Sun, featuring the legendary Mr. Michael McDonald here on Night Tracks Radio. Steps up to this moment All at once it's clear to me Just like the pieces of a puzzle Exactly as they need to be Not to embrace my desolation Though I'm no stranger to this place Still one memory brings a smile Like a warm breeze across my face My place in the sun So true and clear Even now Still you find me here Let faith be my light Darkness, my fact I need only believe To find my way back To my place in the sun Inside on mine We forget more than we remember The answer seems so hard to find For all the distance and the journey
Well, I would say the thing that saved me probably from some of the more horrible stuff, the fact that I was a studio musician. And being a studio musician is very different than, you know, being a performer in that right. the uh, – the producer of the project that you work on, he doesn't give a damn what band you're in, how long your hair is, or how cool you are. Here's the music. Play it. Don't make a mistake. Or there's 100 people waiting for that spot. So to me, even though, and I am not at all disparaging performing and being a quote, if there is such a thing as a rock star, I don't consider myself a rock star, but being a performer and being in that genre, um, to me, the most important thing is being a good craftsman. When I go in the studio for somebody else, my job is to, is in a, in a sense, a tradesman. My job is to do the best that I can and ultimately help the artist that I'm working for realize their vision. So to do that, it's like you can't really show up to building a house as a carpenter if you're shit-faced. You can't nail nails straight. You can't saw right. You'll probably cut your legs off. If you, <laughs> if you do, you have to have your head on straight. So right. I, look, I look at it the same way, and that kept me focused. I, I can't, I'm not going to say I didn't party hardy, and I, there's certainly, you know, I am not, you know, righteous at all in that in that uh, in that point of view but when i come when i came home from the from a tour take a couple of days off and i'm in the studio working for whether it's dolly parton or donna summer or you know rod stewart or whoever it would be my job is to do it and do it right and to me that means that you have to yeah have your head screwed on straight so i think it was a part of me that was a self-defense mechanism that would trigger when things got, you know, a little, little uh, over the top. Well, it's unfortunate that a lot of great artists didn't have that kind of wherewithal or same mentality to say, you know what, enough is enough. Because it's very easy when you're not used to being a star and then all of a sudden people are telling you, or as you stated earlier, egos money, <laughs> women, rock and roll, so to speak. And people are constantly telling you how great you are and you don't need this person and you don't need that person. And you start to believe your own hype and then you go on your personal journey of demise. And I've seen a lot of great artists experience that. That's why it's an honor for me to have you on the show. I've been a long admirer of your music an admirer of your style. I love, I can't express how much I love your outspokenness. You mean what you say. You say what you, you, say what you mean. And a lot of people can't handle it. I love it. I, I, I love it and I admire it and I, I respect it. I respect it. I thought we, I thought we had the, the obligation. I thought this country was made of freedom of speech. That's what I thought. But unfortunately, I'm a First Amendment fan, and uh, I've taken an oath twice. I've taken an oath twice to defend the Constitution. Once, once as a peace officer, and once working for the government. And yes, I, I believe in that. And I think you're correct, especially when you talk about being surrounded by people who, who probably, for whatever reason, whether it's wanting to keep their job, wanting to keep the relationship, for whatever reason will tell you what you want to hear and not tell you the truth. That's another reason why when you go into the studio, uh, if, if you screw up, you're fired. Yeah. You don't care. You don't care who you are. And the, the other, uh, my, my, I grew up, my dad really instilled a work ethic in me. There's no doubt about it. But the idea that um, you, you try to surround yourself with friends who will not bullshit you people. And you know who your true friends are because they will tell you when you're losing the plot. Yeah. Now, whether you listen, that's a whole other thing. But, 
your your point is well taken about who you have in your orbit. Yeah, it is. It's really true. I remember you said once, you know, people will blow, people are quick to blow smoke up your, <laughs> up your ass. <laughs> All have no cattle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> website to get all his upcoming tour information. That's at jeffskunkbaxter.com. Please don't wait another 13 or 14 or 15 years to make another <laughs> make another, make another no, I'm, uh, I'm already <laughs> thinking about this um, because I, you know, I didn't know did the record because I'd always, I thought it was time to do a solo record. And like anything else, if you do it for any other reason, because you want to just do it, it probably won't work out. And what's amazing to me is the rock stuff on the record, which I thought would be what radio would want to play. They're playing Giselle and yeah. and uh, Juliet. And the country stations are starting to play Bad Move. And I thought, well, you know what? That's good. I don't need to know, and I shouldn't try to know. I'm just going to leave it to the gods and see what happens. So I will, I will try to come up with something that hopefully will make you as happy and satisfied as what we did before. I appreciate the compliment. It means a lot. Uh, it truly does. If somebody actually cares. And uh, thank you for taking the time, and thank you for your hospitality. Oh, no, it is my pleasure, Brother Baxter. Again, I've been a long admirer of your music. As you said, I'm a baby, but, man, I don't feel like one at 50, 58. It's okay. 50 is a new 35, so you're cool. I hope so. You're good. You're good, man. Before I let you go, when are you coming to Houston to perform? There are so many venues out here that would love to see you perform live. Well, it's interesting because the first gig that Steely Dan ever did was at Liberty Hall. I mean, we did a couple of gigs here in L.A., but that was our first road gig. And I always had a kind of a a, a special place for Houston because I thought that and they were they welcomed us with open arms, which you got to figure you talk about weird. I mean, here's a band. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough said. What the hell are we doing in Texas? And people were wonderful. So uh, we're going to do, after we do this tour, we may go back to Japan because we, we, we did that about six months ago. And we want to do a tour of the South, you know, get down okay. into that whole area and, uh, and play. I have a lot of friends in Houston and Dallas and, uh, I really would love to to spend some time down there. So I can't tell you when, but it is on the radar. We're tracking, as we say. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And, hey, this is your home away from home. Whatever you need, please Thank you. do not hesitate to let us know. And, again, family, be sure to get the new album, Speed of Heat. It is an incredible album. Like I said, if you love Jambalaya, this is the album for you. It has a mixture of uh, I do love rock. <laughs> rock. I do love Jambalaya. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Washington next week because I got to work I gotta work at the Pentagon. And Artie's is a, the Cajun restaurant there that is awesome. So I'm going to start off with uh, scallops wrapped in bacon, cooked in maple syrup, and then I will have shrimp and crab etouffee. And, wow, uh, and then I will have a bowl of jambalaya for, to start. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the way, just so you know, do you know what the speed of heat is? No, please tell me. Speed of heat is the phenomenon, the, the thermodynamic, aerodynamic phenomenon that happens when uh, something approaches Mach one, the speed of sound. Okay. And we, we, and CJ, my my, my music partner. He's an aviation buff, and I spent a lot of time in airplanes, uh, especially military. And so we just had speed of heat 
as the working title, and the president of the record company said, I love the title of the record. I said, what's the title of the record? I said, Speed of Heat. Oh, okay. Do you know what it is? No, I don't care. I love the, I love the thing. So <laughs> if you look at the album cover, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but yes, if I you do. look at the album cover, you'll notice a bunch of equations behind me. Yes. Right? Can you? Yeah. Okay, so I, I was in Northrop Grumman for 20 years, and I got a call from a buddy of mine over there, uh, uh, an aeronautics engineer, about uh, six months ago, and he said, I know what those are. I said, well, okay, Curtis, what are they? He said, those are oblong pressure wave equations, aren't they? I went, yes, they are. And he said, ah, speed of heat, I get it, I get it. So, you know, a little little inside up there man hey like maurice white once said i yearn to learn lord have mercy (laughs) (laughs) yearn to learn it's a beautiful thing brother i want to thank you for always keeping things solid remaining true to who you are again it was an honor and a privilege for me to have you on the show whatever you need please do not hesitate to let us know continued joyous and prosperous Journey, man. The journey has just begun for you. Continued success, okay? Well, thank you again for your hospitality, and thank you again for the invitation, and thank you again for the kind words. I mean, it does mean a lot. And and thank you for the uh, the good send off. And I spent a lot of time in the U.S. Navy working on Navy projects, and as they say, may you have fair winds and following seas. Lord have mercy. So it is written, so it shall be done. <laughs> Brother Mac, thank you so much, my man. Thank you, sir. All right. The legendary Jeff Skunk Baxter here on Night Tracks Radio. Remember, family, the new album, Speed of Heat, is available as we speak. Make sure you stop by Skunk's official website to get all the latest tours and tour information, but more importantly, get the new album. That's at jeffskunkbaxter.com. Going to take a little quick two into some music therapy. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so music therapy, always soothing to there. And while I got you here, safe and sound, let's take a small voyage to Atlantis. The Heisen Brothers here on Night Tracks Radio.
Speed of Heat, available on all social media platforms. But be sure you stop by Skunk's official website to get all the tour information. That's at jeffskunkbaxter.com. And remember, family, the ones who tuned in late to get an opportunity to hear their interview in its entirety, no need to worry. We got you covered. We're going to post it. It's going to be on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which is at YouTube. That's at Night Tracks Radio Podcast. Also on TikTok, Night Tracks Radio, again, with two X's. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook so you can get all the latest updates. That's at Facebook at Night Tracks Radio. And the last but certainly not least, Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash Night Tracks Radio. It's been a pleasure. And without you, there's no teddy bear, Mr. Radio Extraordinaire. Have a wonderful weekend. Be sure to get all the latest updates. You've got to stay informed. I've seen the need. I'm here to fulfill those needs. Miles Candido's family. And always, keep it so full here on Night Tracks Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.